Hi, this is Rick from Woodhaven, Michigan in the U.S., and you are listening to another episode of the always interesting, always entertaining, and always sexy, weird, wacky, and wonderful stories podcast with Shelley and Bella. Enjoy the show. Episode 71 of the Weird, Wacky, and Wonderful Stories podcast. Hello, everybody. So, first of all, I need to apologize for my voice, because as you can hear, I'm not feeling very well. Yeah, no joke. When you said we were going viral, I really didn't think this is what you meant. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. We do have to say thank you very much to Richard for sending us the intro, which was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and that's cool because I must be the sexy bit because it surely isn't you. <laughs> I don't think he's calling me sexy, babe. I think it's definitely you. Or maybe the show, <laughs> maybe the show is sexy. No, it's not. Really I'm a just going to pretend show, like it? it's me. I think it probably is. Okay, well, you know, <laughs> I don't have any issues with another bloke calling my wife sexy. I guess it's a compliment to me. I guess. How you figure? Well, because I did good to land a sexy woman. Well, I mean, let's end it all. Yeah, let's just keep on going, huh? Yeah, okay. I'm not going to labor too much on the intro here because obviously you're not feeling brilliant, but I think you're going to enjoy this one. We've got a chat with us today, lovely guy. He hails all the way from over the pond, and he has a really, really interesting story. I have to say before we start this that I don't necessarily subscribe to 100% of everything that's in here. However... I think that we owe him the opportunity to actually tell his story and the way he sees it. And, you know, you never know. He may be absolutely right. What he says is going on may actually be going on. Who am I to say as a guy sitting in a studio in South Wales that he is anything other than telling the truth? If nothing else, it is interesting. So... So the chap you're going to be listening to here, his name is Donnie Brook. He is a former American professional wrestler and has since moved into investigating the unexplained and predominantly UFOs. So he is the interview. Okay, please welcome to the show, Donnie Brook. Hi, Donnie. How are you doing, sir? We're doing very well. Thank you very much. How are you doing? Man, that's been a rough day today, but I'm a world champion. I can handle it. Uh, well, uh, we said that in the intro because you're a professional wrestler. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about your background? Yeah, well, now I used to be in the wrestling business. Now that is 100% true. I did it for about 20 years. I started in 1989, but I'm no longer into that because I had my last show in 2010. But five years previous, in 2005, I watched a documentary that really intrigued me. And... I had seen it before. It just, just this particular day, it intrigued me more for some reason. And still, I don't know why. And it was a documentary about the Roswell UFO crash. And the documentary was entitled The Day After Roswell. Now, if someone's listening and the folks are listening and they know about the Roswell crash here in the United States, you're aware of the controversy surrounding it. I'm not going to get into that. It's been talked about a million times. But it intrigued me, and I watched it, and it was an hour long, and I was like, well, you know, if just half of what's said in this documentary is true, then a lot of reality that we're taught 
to think one way may not be real reality, you know. So then I started to try to get all the history I could on the subject of UFOs as it had to do with the United States. And then when I started to do that, I started to look into other countries, and there was just a lot of unanswered questions. Now, previous to being interested in this, the JFK assassination has baffled me, and I looked at it the same way. And lo and behold, both of those subjects have something to do with one another. And I can get into that if you want me to, but it's intriguing to me that all of these questions are out in the UFO community. We are asking these questions, but they're not being answered either because they can't or won't. Now, when I say answered, I'm talking about by the people that can tell us things. Now, I can understand that disclosure, people within the UFO community want disclosure to happen, and I think that's great. But even if the, somebody from the Pentagon or the president or whoever was to say that, yes, Roswell was the crash of two extraterrestrial vehicles, no one's going to believe it because it's in someone's mind not to because of programming. And I'm talking about when we're kids, we're told that everything in the movies and television shows is not real. And if you think about the science fiction genre, we're taught that all of this is just make-believe. But in real life, I have learned that no, society has no idea what it just does not know. And I can understand why they don't. And so I try to help educate people. So from 2005 up until now, I have done nothing but, you know, make a living in other areas and then study UFOs. Not just UFOs, but subjects related to it, like the abduction phenomena, the missing time phenomena, and things of that nature. And a lot of people seem to think, and of course they're programmed to think this, that UFOs are automatically alien. But that's false because a top secret aircraft belonging to a government that the government built is not alien. But if a person saw it, it would be a UFO. You mentioned to me before when we were talking on the phone, when we had a conversation a couple of days ago, that you believe obviously that pop culture has been employed to a certain degree to either almost drip feed us information or, as you say, to try and almost convince us that these things are farcical and they are put out there and they make believe so that when people do actually see something, they, again, like you said, almost say, well, this can't be true because that's how it goes in the movies. So have you got any evidence of that? I know that you you mentioned to me before a former president that was involved in this. Oh, absolutely. I can give you a million and one examples of real intel being hid within Hollywood fictional creations, and I'll just tell you just a few. One story that has been within ufology that when I first heard it, I didn't know what to think of it, but I've come to believe that it is a legitimate story and it really happened, which is the story of Valiant Thor. Now, if you know anything about the story of Valiant Thor, it sounds like a Hollywood script. I'll admit it, it does. That's why I wanted to get more information on it. And it's about, you know, Valiant Thor from Venus met with President Eisenhower in 1957 and what have you. Now, that same story was played out on an episode of Linda Carter's Wonder Woman in the 70s. It was called Judgment from Outer Space. It's the same story of Valiant Thor. Valiant Thor allegedly represented a council of nine, and the 
alien in the Wonder Woman episode represented a council. I dang near passed out when I saw this. I'm like, my God, this is the story of Valiant Thor. That's just one example. The second is, and I love Jerry Anderson's work. He's he's passed away now, but he did a show called UFO, and he did a show called Space 1999. Now, Jerry Anderson, in his shows, UFO and Space 1999, both of those, he touches on humans having a moon base. Now, what folks may not know is that there was a proposal for a moon base during the Cold War, and it was called Project Horizon. The official word was that President Eisenhower turned it down because we didn't have the money or the technology. But after the Eisenhower Treaty happened, we went to the moon before Commander Armstrong got there. So if you put something in a Hollywood fictional production of about a moon base, nobody's going to really think you really have it. It's going to be perceived as fiction. That's a second scenario. And even Steven Spielberg said, if nothing was going on, NASA would have never written me a 25-page letter. Now, saying that, if you look at Close Encounters of the Third Kind, at the end of the movie, there are two references to two major events. One is Project Serpo. The second is the landing of an ET craft at Holloman Air Force Base in 1958. And that is when Eisenhower made his deal with an extraterrestrial alliance to improve our technology. That reference is the ship landing there on Devil's Mountain, Devil's Tower, excuse me. So when the ship lands, that's referencing the 1958 landing at Holloman Air Force Base. And if you watch Close Encounters, you will see a line of 12 humans lined up in special outfits ready to get onto the craft, and you see the greys walking off the craft. That's referencing Project Serpo. That was a human-alien exchange program. Not many people know that, but it's true. Now, if anybody's listening and want to contact me, my God, they can do that. I'll give you my contact information, and you can give it out because I have an email because it's okay for people to contact me. Those references are there. But think about it. When you went to see the movie or if you watch it, you don't think it's real because it's a movie, but it's very real. And that's what's amazing. Do you think it's possible that maybe Steven Spielberg knew about that and sort of embellished on it to put into his movie? I mean, it's kind of like that which came first, the chicken or the egg. Right. I happen to know for sure that he was told about the Holloman landing. I know that for a fact. And when he was told about the landing, he incorporated an angle from that event in Close Encounters, which was the landing of the ship with the military waiting and what have you. Now, Project Serpo, let me say this so this all makes sense. The CIA here in the United States have a program that's called Operation Mockingbird. And what it is, is putting real intel into fictional Hollywood creations. So my theory is that when Steven Spielberg was given and written that 25-page letter, I personally believe they were telling him real intel because when the movie came out, the government was not happy. And people say NASA is not the government. NASA is just as government as the Army, Marines, or anything like that because their website's nasa.gov. Now, 
I believe that he was told things in this 25-page letter that's related to real intel, and those are two events I believe he was told about. Now, now who wrote him the letter? I don't know. But even Mr. Spielberg actually said that the government was not happy with some of the material in the film. Okay, knowing that those two events were in it, I believe the fact that he put that in there was not the best decision for him to make as far as the government was concerned or the military or even NASA. But by him putting those in there, he knew people were not going to take it serious. You know, he, he he's not stupid. He knows people enjoy film for what it is. It's supposed to be entertainment and nobody takes anything serious. So he realized just how serious this was when the film came out and NASA and the government, they were not happy. Now, saying that, after Jaws, most of his films are science fiction related. And even in the movie Jaws, and I've got pictures of this, little round white orbs of light, I call them interdimensional light ships, were caught on camera in the movie Jaws. And I've got pictures of this. And I think that intrigued Steven Spielberg because that was in 75 and then he created and then he started to do close encounters it's quite interesting that what the time scale that you're talking about in the sort of 70s 80s there were a number of movies that he came out with back to back to back that were all to do with either aliens or that kind of genre so it's interesting i know that he, he that's that was his genre anyway but like you said going from jaws and then there was close encounters and et and all of those other big box office movies that were were really hammering home this idea idea of extraterrestrials but friendly extraterrestrials mm -hmm, exactly you know it and when i talk about this you know with people in just in a regular conversation or on a radio show like this or a podcast or what have you the human mind first of all is very primitive it is very tunnel division and that's just the chemical makeup of the human being and First of all, for people that do not believe that there's life in other places, that is bizarre because we there's at least nine planets I was told about in the elementary school, and I live on one of them. So what are the other eight? You know, that kind of a thing. So you can't say what's out there. Even NASA people will say anything could be out there. Now, saying that, if there is at least one extraterrestrial race, if I mean, which I know for a fact is more than one, you never know if they are loving or free, you don't know if they're friend or foe, okay? And if there are bad humans, there's going to be bad aliens. If there's good humans, there's going to be good. You know what I'm saying? Because there's good and bad in everything, and that's where I'm going with this. You could take a, a race of reptilians, okay? And you could have some that are friendly, and you could have some that are not so friendly. Now, the theory that I have heard from several people is that the reptilians are not so loving. Me, personally... I don't know. I've never met one that I know of. Of course, if I have met one that I definitely know of, and if it's true they shapeshift to look like us, I wouldn't know it anyway. So that's one unique thing about the alien race. Now, number two, Nordics. And I, and I want to touch on this, and I thought about this this afternoon. The Nordics is who I personally theorize and guess is who President Eisenhower made the deal with in 1958. Okay, I don't know if that's true. It could have been the Palladians, but the Nordics are intriguing to me because they are tall, white-skinned, blonde-haired aliens. That, that is how they look, okay? If you think about someone 
that has albinism, that are albino. They look identical to how Nordics are supposed to look. Now, knowing what I know, there's something about the Nordic DNA that matches the albino DNA, but you can't prove it because how in the world are you going to do it without getting DNA from a Nordic? And somebody like me, that's not going to happen. But when you look at someone that's albino and you look at the alleged pictures of the Nordics and all of the things about what the Nordics are doing allegedly, let me put that in there, at Pine Gap, it's a possibility. And it's intrigued me for a while. And I had a friend of mine who I used to work with several years ago. She had two twin boys that were albino. And I always wanted to ask her about had she ever had an issue with missing time? Because if so, her, the DNA of her, the fetuses could have been played with. You know what I mean? Like an alien hybridization program. Because she could not, the, her doctor, the pediatrician could not see how her and her husband could have had albino twins. But they did, you know, and they are abnormally tall. You mentioned at the very beginning of this that you got interested because you were watching that show about the day after Roswell. Were you interested in UFOs and aliens and all that before that? Or was this just a you know, coincidence that you just happened to be watching the TV and that's what sparked it? Has anything happened to you? Well, I had always thought it was unique, the subject. But on that particular day in 2005, for some reason, it just piqued my interest, I guess. I had always watched shows about it, but I didn't really think about it after the show would go off. It's kind of like watching something about the ghosts and everything or a documentary about John F. Kennedy's assassination. You watch it for the hour, but you don't really dwell on it. But on this particular day with the UFOs in 2005, I did. And I don't know why. I have a theory of why I did, but I don't know. It was just one of those things. And this is, this is, let me make sure I explain this correctly. In the early 90s, when I was traveling to North Carolina for a show, I was headed to Kings Mountain, North Carolina, which is right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, on the east coast of the U.S. I left Augusta. I live in Augusta, Georgia. Grovetown is my actual address, which is an area of Augusta, out on I-20, headed you know, to Charlotte, the Charlotte area. And it's usually like a three and a half hour trip, three hours, three and a half, you know. And I'm like, okay, we'll get there about midnight. We left here about 9, 30, 10 o'clock, get to the hotel, we get up next morning and do what we got to do. By the time I got to Charlotte, the sun was coming up and that did not make sense. It did not take me, what, 10, 11, 12 hours, 10 hours, you know, to get to Charlotte because it's basically interstate all the way. So you had an element then of supposed missing time. Have you ever had any kind of hypnotic regression or anything to look into that? No, not at all. That's what's intrigued about it, because I do have the episode of missing time. But like all of the other cases of abduction, they would say they would have nightmares about it. And that's what got them thinking that that had happened to him. But I've never had that. I've never not one time had any type of nightmare or feeling that I was taken. But I know what time I left here, and I know what time I got there, and it doesn't add up. We'll be right back after this. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. 
Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and more within minutes of finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Check our show notes where you can find a link which will earn you a $20 Amazon gift card sent after your second paid invoice when you choose one of their paid plans. And let me tell you something, that means that you can try Buzzsprout and doing a podcast for yourself for two months for a total of $24 and then get $20 back by way of an Amazon gift card. Sound too good to be true? It's not. Go to Buzzsprout via the link that we've got in our show notes or on our website under the listener offers section and get started today. Bella and I use Buzzsprout. We love it and we know you will too. And using the link will also help to support our show. So everyone's a winner. Okay, let's get back on with the show. There's something that's going on at the moment that you told me about in our conversations before doing the show, whereby you're potentially being watched... I suppose, would that be fair to say that? Oh, it's most definitely fair to say that, and I'm happy to tell you about it. You know, knowing that I had the missing time in the early 90s, and to be direct, I think it was like 1993, I think it was. But anyway, my first visitation in 2011, I did not know it was a visitation. And what had actually happened, I got home one night, seen a star in the sky, which I thought was a star, took a picture of it, but it, what I had on the camera was not what I was looking at. And I don't know if I shared that picture with you, but if I haven't, I'm happy to do so. I'll send it to you. Yes, you did. It looked like a rectangular, a rectangular fireball. That's what it looked like. And I'm like, holy moly, what is this? Now, what's unique about this, this was in 2011 when I took this picture. But it, in reality, it had a second anomaly within the picture that I did not realize and I did not notice which was the face of an alien gray. I did not notice that gray in that picture until about three to four months ago. And when I noticed that, I reached out to a good friend of mine in New York, Lori, and I said, do you see anything odd about this picture? Now, let me say this. The reason that I had asked her about this is because she's had sightings similar to mine and some other things. And I figured if if it, if I'm looking at this and I'm seeing what I think I'm seeing, she's going to see it. That's just what I felt. And sure enough, she saw it. She told me what she saw, and that's exactly what I saw. And then I replied with, well, I agree with you. So my thing is this. From 2011 all the way up till about three or four months ago, this anomaly was in this picture, and I didn't see it. Knowing that, how many other times have they been watching that I have not known? Well, I think that I have ascended to a certain level of consciousness that allowed me to see it. Now, when I first noticed the anomaly in that picture, weird things started to happen. I started to have premonitions. If I think about what it's like, how you feel, if I say, if I say like, uh, hey, Shelly, and you, and you don't see me, but then you turn around. Think about how you feel when somebody might do that. You have that same feeling without anybody talking to you. Because I had a premonition I was going to get a phone call one morning, and within easily 25, 30 seconds, the phone rang. But I had the premonition, but the feeling that I had was as if I had heard the phone 
ring, but it had not. And I'm like, okay, this is odd. Secondly, I see things in pictures. I see anomalies in pictures that when an average person, that's what I want to call it, see, looks at it, they'll never see it. Like some things I've caught off the NASA ISS live feed from the International Space Station. I had sensed there was a red orb in the picture. Sure enough, when I enlarged it, there it was. But you honestly can't see it when you're looking at the regular picture. And a picture of the Skinwalker Ranch that I have, I'm pretty sure y'all have heard of the Skinwalker Ranch, have you? Yeah. Okay. I had a picture of that that was posted online, and I looked at it, and something told me it was something unique about it. So I saved it because I sensed there was two, at least an anomaly, but actually there were two. Two silver cylindrical cigar-shaped UFOs in the sky camouflaged against the gray mountain because the picture was taken either right before a thunderstorm or right after because the, 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 the sky was gray. Matter of fact, there was a lightning bolt strike in the photo. And I'm like, why am I seeing this stuff now? Have you ever thought about pareidolia? Like, I know what I'm trying to say. But basically, <laughs> basically pareidolia is, is, as I'm sure you're aware, it's the human instinct that causes people to see patterns such as faces in images, etc. How can you be oh, sure yeah. that what you're seeing isn't just a trick of the mind, for instance? Well, first of all, with the NASA photo, when you're looking at the Earth because it's circular, it's not flat, by the way. And I, re- I saw something the other day about that. It's kind of funny. I'll tell you one day, but... Because when you look at the the Earth from the ISS feed and you snap a picture, atmosphere or whatever, it's it's like a blue trim around the Earth. And I'm trying to explain this the best I can. You see that in the full image. But when you enlarge, then you obviously see a red, round orb that looks abnormal. It's as plain as seeing a scar on someone's face that you know they probably wasn't born with. I mean, it's one of those things. And I'm happy to send you these pictures so you can take a look at them for yourself. And with the Skinwalker Ranch photo, I have asked several people about the Paragolia scenario because I'm open to trying to figure out what's going on. Now, with that photo, I showed the photo of what I found to people, and they agree, they believe, it's possibly two cigar shapes now. And what's unique about this? These are people that are not really into the UFO phenomena. They agreed they look that the two cylindrical anomalies that I found are not trick of the light or a paragolia. They agree that it's they, they think it's really something there. That now does it prove it? No, but I had a sense there was something unique. On the right side of that image, I enlarged it, and sure enough, I found it. Now, I checked all through that photo, the middle and on the far left side, nothing like what I found on the right side. Now, because it's the Skinwalker Ranch and the history behind it, my thought was, okay, Bigelow Aerospace owned this thing. Robert Bigelow said on 60 Minutes that they're here and they're helping us, basically. And here is two anomalies above the Skinwalker Ranch. It could be. And even if it's not in this particular picture, if it's not, that still doesn't change the fact that the Skinwalker Ranch has a unique history. And Absolutely. I think we all know Absolutely. about some of that. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's books and films and everything written on it. I'll be honest with you. You sent me the pictures of the star that's above the church opposite where you live. Is that right? 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, that. That, that one that you took in 2011. I had a look at that, and initially I didn't see anything. And then you also included some pictures where you'd zoomed into it, and you've, you've put a little red circle around the image of the alien, as you said, was on there. And I, I didn't see the alien image until you pointed it out. And I think that maybe, as you're saying, it's because you've been raised to some higher level of consciousness. I haven't, clearly, but I'm open to it. You know, I think that you've got as much right to tell your story as as anyone else, and I want to give you that platform to do that. I went outside and I took some photos of a star outside my house, quite a bright star outside my house, and I could not get it to look like yours. <laughs> I tried I tried it with filters, I, I tried it with lots of different things. So I suppose that really what I'm I'm kind of supporting you in a way because I could not get the picture of a star if that's what I'm looking at and if that's what you're looking at. I couldn't get my star to look anything like yours. So I'm with you on the fact that there might be something there might be something different about what you're seeing. And, you know, and, and, and I told I told Lori this and I was like, you know, I've told people about this when I was when I was at my job. This was in January the 19th, I think is the date. And I think I forwarded you these images. It was about 628 in the evening. There was still some natural sunlight out. You could tell that sun was going down and the stars would be out soon. But I walked outside and took a break. I walked out of the building from which I work in and looked up in the sky and I saw this light that was just there by itself. Now this was on January the 19th and I snapped a picture of it, enlarged it, and it's clear there is a an, an elongated alien gray face within this thing. And I'm like, oh my God. And just like I said, three to four months previous to this, I noticed the anomaly from the 2011 photo. Now, this thing, when I walked outside and looked at it with my eyes, my human eyes, by the way, it looked like a star. That's what it looks like. What I'm saying is they that's how they appear. They cloak themselves to look like stars because when people look up in the sky at night and see all the stars, it can hide in plain sight. But this particular one was out a lot earlier and it just seemed relatively low. I'm like, well, that's odd. Let me take a picture of that. And so when I did that, and I enlarged it and I showed it to one of my coworkers. He said, holy crap, I see it too. I mean, do you think it allowed you to see it or did you see it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And why do definitely. you think that is? Of course, ultimately, I don't know. I've, I've just have to theorize. And I reached out to my friend Lori and told her about this. And before I could get four words out of my mouth, she said, you're a starseed. Now, I don't see that yet, but, you know, anybody will, any psychologist will tell you we don't see ourselves as other people do. So if I am a starseed, if, and for the record, I don't believe I am at this moment, if I am, that's why they are allowing me to see them because either A, they're watching over me for whatever reason, or B, they're trying to communicate to let me know Something big is in my future. What is a star seed? I don't know what that is, and I'm sure maybe we've got listeners who don't know what that is either. Okay. My my interpretation, okay? Now, keep in mind, having a visitation or a sighting like this has nothing, it, it is really so far above 
U- the, U- the subject of UFOs when it's a nuts and bolts craft, okay? For, for the listeners, please keep that in mind. Now, I have theorized the term starseed, like Lori had said, that a starseed or slash starchild is basically a hybrid, okay? Which means you're, you're obviously human DNA, but there's something about you that is not all human. In other words, if you could take your DNA and have it analyzed, there would be strands of the DNA that were not recognizable or that were foreign or that science would not know what it was. Okay. Now, once again, this is my theory based on what I have been made to understand a starseed is. I'm just like anybody else. I'm still trying to figure all this mess out. And Lori says that I was a starseed. Now, let me give you an example of something to why I think Lori is right, but I'm not 100% sold yet. If you take a scenario to where a group of people feels a certain way about something, and let's say it's something negative like hatred, and you're around it all the time, that doesn't affect me. I don't act like that. You know what I'm saying? They say, you know, when you're when you're around certain surroundings, you start to act like yeah. that. That doesn't happen to me. You know what I mean? So maybe because of that, I might be. That might be what has caused me not to turn into that type of an individual. I'm just guessing here. Ultimately, I don't know. Your friend, Laurie, you said? Yes. Yeah. Has she got any sort of connection to the UFO world or is she sort of psychic or in any way sensitive, do you think? Oh, yes, she does, but I'm not going to talk about her sightings and that's her, okay. I respect that. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of the. I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the right word to use here. I'm not going to tell you about her background with the phenomena, but I'm happy to give you her her contact information for you to contact her. She'd love to be on your show. I'm pretty sure, and we could both be on together if you don't like. I'm happy to do that. Of course, I'm not speaking for her at all. She has some very unique sightings, and I have a video that she sent me to where she saw a strange light above her home in New York, and it was roughly about the same time. Remember I said that when I, on the 19th, I had seen the light above my job, yeah. and there was still some natural sunlight out. Same lighting conditions with hers, but it was above her house. She sent me the video of it, and when I look at that video, I cannot help but think about my situation on January the 19th. And so, yes, she has, and she is telekinetic. She can perform telekinesis. And I believe that there's something extraordinary about her for her to automatically say I'm a starseed. Like I said, she sees me differently than I see myself. Of course, that's normal, I think, that we never see each other ourselves as other people do. On your social media, you term yourself as an, an ex-professional wrestler and also a UFO hunter. So as a UFO hunter, what would be your next move to prove this to the masses? Well, first of all, when a person, whether it be one person or a group of people, when a person is taught that a certain something is a certain way, It doesn't matter what you show them or tell them that a certain that they're wrong about a certain something that this certain something is real. Okay, they're not going to believe it. Let me give you an example. Being in the wrestling business, I I had learned to identify smart alecks. Okay, that would go up to me and ask me, "Is wrestling real?" 
a person that asks that question to somebody in the business, they don't care if it's real. They've done made up their mind that it's not because they're told that by adults as children. Okay, just like I was. But when I looked at it, I was like, okay, if it is, then how in the world do people get hurt? Now, as a kid, you know, you see things on TV and it shows where three or four guys will jump this one guy and all this. But to physically fall, you will sustain injuries. That's that's common sense in my mind. So I knew that it had to have some type of reality to it. Now, you tell somebody professional wrestling is fake. Okay. In that person's mind, what that means is that nobody can get hurt, that when people get hurt, it's not real, that it's just a big cartoon, and it's just a whole bunch of -of out-of-work actors. Okay. They look at it as a joke. Now, that's not the wrestling fans. Those are the people that don't really like it. Okay. That's just not their thing. So they poke fun at it. But no matter what I tell them, no explanation will do to tell them about the realism and the danger within it. It doesn't matter because if people believe it's real, you don't need an explanation. And for people that don't believe, no explanation will do. That's the same thing with the UFO phenomena and all of the subjects around it. If you tell someone that Roswell was the crash of two extraterrestrial vehicles that we recovered, people will not believe it because of the term UFO, meaning alien, and they've been taught it's science fiction and programmed. Now, let me touch on the program thing. Here in the U.S., the CIA had an MK Ultra mind control program, and two of the things that they did to on these test subjects was to have them listen to something like on a headset, like a set of earphones, and and or watch a movie screen, but it would they would see it or hear it repetitively over and over and over and over again. That was part of what they did. It's a part of programming the mind. As a child, you're constantly told that UFOs and aliens are not real because it's within the movies. So by the time you're 18, 19 years old, you've got it set in your mind that all of that is just a bunch of hokum. So when you hear people talk about it, you laugh at them because you're programmed to believe none of it could be real without stopping and getting more information on it and then making a decision on it. Humans don't do that. Very few do. And if I hear somebody say something that normally would sound crazy, that's what I like because I research it because it's either an amazing truth or an amazing lie. If it's an amazing lie, you can debunk it easily and make somebody look bad for being a huckster. But if you can't, it's a potential amazing truth. Project Blue Book, 701 cases could not be explained scientifically that Dr. J. Allen Hynek said. That's 701 examples that something's going on that can't be explained. So if it's not us, it's got to be some other intelligence. That's the only way to answer that question. You know, I'm happy to sit down and talk to people and lay things out and let them see things. But every time I I get the most common, you know, question, like they say, they say, Donnie, what are UFOs? And then I have to say, well, they're not all the same explanation. Some could be us. Some could be them. I mean, I know for a fact that there are aircraft that the military has that's deeply classified that are alien replicated vehicles. I can't tell you how I know it, but I know it. 
and it's related to this new Space Force that's not new. It's 40-something years old, but they they decided to declassify it because I think they know we know about it. So you have to declassify it, but you declassify it but call it something else. That was just recently, wasn't it, that Donald Trump said something about the Space Force or whatever, didn't he? Yes, ma'am. He ca- it was a it was a speech he had. I think it was at the White House. He gave a speech. I may be mistaken of his location, but he announced there was going to be a space force. And let me tell you guys, about a year ago, there was a sighting here in here in Grovetown, Grovetown, Georgia, of a sighting. It was in 2017 of a flying triangle. The person that saw it was at a football game that night. It was about 10, 20, 10, 30 at night. Saw it snapped the picture of it, sent it to me, and the text said, hey, boss, this was over Grovetown tonight. I looked at it, and within a tenth of a second, I said, well, that's a TR-3B. What in the world is that flying over Grovetown for? And I explained to him what this was and what it was a part of, and I explained to him about our secret space program. It's called Solar Warden, and the fact that it's been in operation for about 40-something years, the flying triangles are the anti-gravity craft, they're able to go to the moon, such and blah, blah, blah. And, and I told him all about it. And he, and I could tell when I was talking to him, he really wasn't buying it. And I can understand because I've never been in a position to know some things. But the whole idea is just because I've never been there personally doesn't mean I don't have any information. I told him about everything and explained to him what it was about. And I explained to him about how we have five flying triangles in service that are still highly classified but since President Trump has disclosed Solar Warden but calling it the Space Force, eventually some of these triangles are going to have to be declassified to go along with the new program publicly. Now, and I explained to the witness, I said in 1997, there was a boomerang-shaped craft that was roughly a, a mile wide or right at a mile wide that flew low over Phoenix. Well, everybody was given their opinions of what they saw and what they thought it was. And every time they interviewed someone, somebody said, well, that's not from here. That's not from here, insinuating alien. Well, it belongs to the United States Air Force. It's part of Solar Warden. It's called a TR-6 Telos, and these things are huge. And the reason we have it is because of the Eisenhower Treaty. We've, we have advanced that far. You fly a boomerang over a town that's a mile wide, nobody's going to think Air Force. They're going to think alien because it doesn't look like we could have it. And that's how you hide it. You make people think it's alien. With all of the alien abductions, and especially the Betty and Barney Hill abduction, I think my theory is correct. And when Betty Hill was, her and Mr. Barney were abducted in 1961, Miss Betty had said that there was a surgical procedure performed on her as well as Mr. Barney. And the surgical procedure, let me tell you how we got that from the alien race. Miss, Miss Betty had talked about when she was when her and Mr. Barney were taken aboard the craft, she was laid on what she called a surgical table. And some type of apparatus, that's what I'm going to call it, was inserted into her navel. Now, how would she know that this happened to her? Or how would she know about this if it didn't happen to her in 1961? And the reason I just said that is because we have something here in the United States called robotic surgery. I don't know if you guys have in your country, but it's basically a, a, a less evasive surgical procedure to where some surgical, some surgeries can be done by robotic surgery where they enter through the navel. 
It's minimal blood loss. You do not cut the surface of the skin. And see, that's what happened to her. Some type of surgical procedure where they went in through her navel. Now, she said she felt like eggs were being extracted from her. And she said that she believed that semen was being taken from bar, sperm from Barney. So now you take that from a man, the eggs from a woman by an ET race, that's an alien human hybrid program. I believe that's what the president had to agree to let them do. And then they would help us with technology. And I have no reason to think that's still not going on. But, you know, you start talking about stuff like this, and it sounds like I've been to the movies too much. But that's because society has been programmed to not to believe in this. They just don't have the information. They just jump to conclusions, you know. When you start hearing all of the cases of abduction that have been reported and then the implants that are found inside some people, there's definitely questions that need to be answered. We've done some searching online and we found out that you've made several inquiries under the Freedom of Information Act. I wondered if you found anything of interest in those yet. Every Freedom of Information request that I have requested, I have been told they do not have any information on anything related to the subject. Now, the Freedom of Information program, I guess you want to call it, is one of those things to where, okay, the government's saying, hey, it's all right. You you can ask us about it. But you know what? If they say they don't have anything, how are we going to know if they do or they don't? And the reason I had requested all of that is just to see what kind of reaction I would get. What sort of stuff did you request? I requested information on Roswell. From what I remember, there was a gentleman that worked, this has been a while back, and I think it was, I can't remember what Air Force Base it was, but this gentleman was allegedly called the UFO officer for that base. And that intrigued me, because why would the Air Force have a UFO officer? What is a UFO officer? What are they trying? I mean, why do they have a UFO officer? And there were several other things that I, I can't remember the subjects that I had requested. I mean, Roswell, I'm sure, was one. I haven't done it in a while, and I don't remember because I never heard from anybody because if I did get an email, it would say they, they just said they didn't have any information. So I've never received anything from that program yeah obviously they can pick and choose what they send and and when they do send documents very often the important stuff is redacted are you affiliated with any other ufo hunting group or organization i was a member of mufon was okay now i'm not anymore and i think the reason i'm not is now i don't know how what i'm about to say i want to go on record and say i don't know how much of this is true i'm only going to tell you what i have been told about MUFON. Okay, this is hearsay, but this is something that I have to keep that I keep in mind. That certain people within MUFON basically would rather explain things away than explain them. Now I don't know if that's true. Okay. I don't know if that's true. But I did reach out to a MUFON person about a sighting I had, and they basically did that. I'm not going to say who it was. I ain't trying to don't know mud on anyone, but I'm not a member of MUFON anymore because of that, because I don't understand that. If, if there's a case that you can't explain, there's nothing wrong with saying it's unexplainable. And I think that that just 
is not something that they are very happy to do a lot. That's the vibe that I get. So I was up in for about a year and everything, but that was several years ago. Let's see, that would have been 20. I got I got the paperwork. I want to say 2014, but that 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 date's probably wrong. Do you have any plans to set up a, a group yourself then that maybe will take things a little bit more seriously or at least investigate reports that are being given rather than sort of picking and choosing? Well, the, the easiest and best way, in my opinion, to start a group is not to do something that is like MUFON. And it's fine that MUFON does what they do. And I believe there's good people within MUFON. But the the best way to research this is one person get partnered up with maybe three other people because once you get too many people you can't handle it gets out of control and the best way to do a little group is only have three or four people in it you know and and don't go any more than that and see MUFON I mean has chapters all over the United States state directors and it's just like a company, like like, and I'll use Home Depot as an example. The two guys that started Home Depot really wanted to start a company that was on good customer service core values. But over the years, you open up so many stores, and you got so many different different managers with so many different personalities and opinions that gets watered down. And I think with ufology, that can happen with a group. So if you get a, you know, if you get about three or four people together. And you go ahead and you have your little group and you connect with each other. It's easier to manage that. It's kind of like, you know, you know, on Ghost Hunters TV shows, usually it's only like four or five people there at a location, you know, because you have a leader that, you know, owns it or runs it. It's easy for that person to manage intel or information within those other four people in comparison to 50 or 100. That would be the best way to go, in my opinion. Less people with their hand in the cookie jar, the less problems you're going to have by having someone sick touching your product. In other words, you don't want to have somebody misrepresenting, you know, that kind of a thing. And that's the best way to do it. But I have never thought about doing that. And, you know, Lori, my friend in New York, I tell you about, I joke with her about this. And I know she's going to listen to this. She listens to all the shows. I sometimes call her Scully because of, you know, our interest in this subject. I said, we're like the living Mulder and Scully. You know, I don't want people to think that because I'm saying that I'm as important or as an FBI agent or whatever like that. But that's, you know, from the fictional side of things, those those two looked into the phenomena that she and I are very much intrigued in. So jokingly, because she's female, I call her Scully. (laughs) But if anyone's listening and they have any questions about anything I've talked about, if they've had a sighting, if they think they've had a sighting, or they have had something happen in their life that's unexplainable, missing time, please contact me because I have no problem answering questions. I have no problem communicating and helping because... Everything I've talked about related to my sightings, maybe you've had the same scenario and you could maybe tell me something that can help me. But my, my email address is donnybrookmacon at gmail.com. And of course, I'm going to leave all that information, you know, with, you know, our, the podcast. So I'll, guys, I'm going to leave that with you. 
and you can hand that out if people request it. So We'll put it in the show notes so that our listeners can email you directly from there. You've definitely given our listeners and us something to think about. And, you know, there may be some people out there who say, well, you know, this guy's deluded. You know, he hasn't got a clue. He's, he's reading things into things that aren't there. But then I think, like you said earlier, you know, you can show people or tell people as much as you like. Sometimes it's only when they see it for themselves. And then you've even got the hardened skeptics that even when they see it themselves, have a problem in believing it and understanding it and they'll try and explain it away so I think that as a podcast we're called the weird wacky wonderful stories podcast we're not called the unleaded vegan safe for everybody podcast you know this is a podcast that is going to give everybody the forum to tell their story to put their point across because if we don't, then we are as bad as those skeptics who deny things that aren't sort of toeing the party line. So we really want to thank you for spending the time with us, Donnie. As I said, you've given us some fantastic things to think about. Yeah, and thank you because you've actually given us some food for thought, some things that maybe we're going to have to go and research a bit ourselves and see where it leads us. Oh, no problem. So that was a really interesting chat there with Donnie. There's a lot of what he said there that, if you know anything about the UFO subject, a lot of the programs that he was talking about and the projects that he was talking about did actually exist. They were a thing. There's there's certain elements of it that I struggle with. I know that, you know, we were saying earlier on about Trump and the fact that he announced about this Space Force. Yeah. Well, I know that a lot of UFO researchers are kind of jumping on that. And maybe it is a thing. Maybe it is something worth jumping on. You know, he did come out and say that. But... If you look at intercontinental ballistic missiles, ICBMs, they actually go as far as they go by going intercontinental, by leaving the Earth's atmosphere and going into space and then coming back down. Rather than traveling a distance left to right, it's it's a lot better to go up and then come back down. The International Space Force could literally be intercepting missiles that are fired from another country. Well, maybe, I don't know. There does seem to be big jumps in technology in such a short span of time. But then, I mean, if you look at the human race as a whole, it does seem like things have been speeding up anyway. So I don't know. I mean, it's food for thought. And I mean, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion and their belief. Yeah, well, like I said, a lot of the things he said, I've heard other researchers say. So he's done his research. You can't. You can't knock him for that. He's definitely done his research. And I think that there may be something there. Interestingly, I don't know whether you saw this in the BBC News earlier on, but the government are so sure that that there is life elsewhere that they have just decided to use public funds to start up the SETI project again. So this is from BBC, and it says the head of one of the US's national observatories says the search for intelligent life elsewhere in the universe needs to be taken more seriously. Dr. Anthony Beasley told BBC that there should be a greater government support for a field that has been shunned by government research funders for decades. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole thing because I'm not allowed to technically, but I'm just going to pick little bits out of here. But it says here that he said that he feels far more confident arguing the case for public funding for the search for extraterrestrial intelligence than, for instance, a particle accelerator. So, yeah, it looks like they're going to start up the SETI project again, but they're actually going to use the very large array, the VLA Observatory in New Mexico, which would be joining in the effort to detect signs for intelligent life on other worlds. Why would, again, they be saying, we need to look into this? 
further if there wasn't really something going on? Well, I don't know. I mean, you hear all the time some people say, yeah, there's definitely life out there. Some other people are like, no, there's definitely not life out there. And we watched that series Planets, remember? And they were saying, you know, that none of the planets are are necessarily hospitable for life, but that depends on your interpretation of what life is. Well, that's planets is. in our solar system. Yeah, yeah. But I think that for the human race to be naive enough to think that we are all there is, is, I mean, that, I think that closes off so many other avenues because if we're here, why couldn't it happen somewhere else? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, we have sent probes to Mars, as you know, and yep. to other planets. And so if we're prepared to do that, why do people, you know, I've heard people use the argument before that, well, you know, why would they bother? Well, why did we bother? Because it's the search for yeah. science, you know. They don't know until they study us. They don't know that we haven't got anything that they could use. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, everyone, just let us know what you think. Drop us an email. And also, you can reach Donny Brook. Now, his email address, he said that we could share it with you, is Donny, which is D-O-N-N-I-E, Brook, which is B-R-O-O-K-E, and then M-A-C-O-N at gmail.com. So that's Donny Brook Macon, M-A-C-O-N, at gmail.com. Get in touch with him. He's got absolutely loads of evidence and loads of articles and all that sort of stuff that he's been sharing with us. So I'm sure that he will be able to furnish you with whatever information you require. Yeah, get the he dialogue would, going. He would love to have some people to chat with or email back and forth with about this sort of stuff. He He's very open to it, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. So give him a shout. Yeah, maybe you can together find out some more answers, which is what we're all after. Anyway, we've got some exciting shows coming up in the near future, so make sure you stay tuned with us here at the Weird Wacky Wonderful Stories podcast. You can reach us, as always, on our website, weirdwackywonderful.co.uk. You can mail us at mail at weirdwackywonderful.co.uk. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and even on Facebook. Why not get involved with us on Facebook? We've got lots of followers now that, that are chatting with us regularly on there and letting us know what they think. If you've got any suggestions for any future guests, then you can get in touch and let us know about that. And if there's anything else that you'd like to see us do or any other subjects you'd like us to cover, then let us know. But until next time, make sure you stay weird, weird wacky, wacky, and, and wonderful. wonderful. And sexy. That's for me. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>